Everybody. Welcome, ba- <laughs> episode welcome back. Three. Episode welcome 3. Welcome back. I'm going to say finally. Welcome episode back. Three. I know. A lot has changed since we last met. It's yeah. been two weeks since we put the last episode up and three weeks since we've all been in the same room together. Well, three a, lot of, weeks. a lot of what we're going to yeah. talk about today is about stuff that's happened even more than a month ago, so or that's been out mm-hmm. for more than a month now. Dallas been growing out his beard. I it's have. almost touching the table now. Yep. <laughs> Uh, school starting back up again. Yeah. Um, I cut my hair a little bit, and everybody's freaking out. Yeah, about it looks it. pretty cool. Thanks. Oh, looks rad. It's looking cool. It looks good. Thanks. I just took a pair of scissors to the side of my head. Got rid of all of it. It's looking cool. Looks, looks rad. But yeah. <laughs> um. So we should do a little wrap up catch up. What have we seen lately? What have that we, we seen really lately? enjoyed? Ooh. Oh man. I got to pull up my letterbox. <laughs> as. Alicia is also pulling yeah. up her letterbox. Oh, uh, Letterbox has I'll an Android out. app now. They do? They oh, just released I it. Look cool, that. cool. I've just been using so, the website on my phone. Yeah, browser. that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. You want to go first? Sure. I guess some of the favorites that I saw in the last, I guess, three weeks was um, A Ghost Story was pretty oh, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like the first 30 minutes. It kind of it made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and then Logan Lucky was oh, you got to see really that. good. Oh, man. It was super funny and really smart. And I I don't know. Channing Tatum was a different. He was He's not Channing guy. Tatum. It was yeah. really cool. I, I, I gotta go to the that. cinema tonight. He's actually a pretty great actor. I gotta get. Yeah. He's getting better. He's, he like surprises me every time I see him on screen. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. there's not a movie. I can't think of a movie I don't like him in. But, and then I went and saw a Good Time oh, with I'm Robert so Pattinson. How is he? He was so good. Yeah. And it kind of helps that his character is just like brooding and just like sort on the run. Sort of blends to his general. Yeah. And persona. so he doesn't have to like act too much or it's talk about a, bank, a lot. It's about a bank or, robber. Right. Um, yeah, he like robs a bank with his brother mm-hmm. and his brother gets caught. And so he's trying so he has to, like, break to his get. Out of prison. Yeah, he's like, well, he's trying, trying to, to get the bail out. money to right. get his brother out of prison because his it's brother is too, deaf right? and also <laughs> like mentally handicapped. Mm-hmm. They don't go into it, but. Is it about drugs too? No. No? Oh. I mean, well, there's a small there thing drugs about drugs, but yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. When I saw the trailer, I felt like it was going to be a lot about drugs, but. No, he like runs into a character who. Um, like has this bottle of of ecstasy okay and is trying to sell it Old and they're like well maybe we can sell this for your brother's bail money so that's well, let me like ask you this back. I'm a huge a24 fan yes. Um, and I yes, yes, yes. and I probably will go see a movie tonight should I go see good time tonight or should I go see Logan Lucky tonight Ooh. Logan, Are those good. both? Is Logan Lucky 24? Really no, know. Logan Lucky's not. No. But well, then the obvious choice would be Good Time. <laughs> good Time is what I'm feeling. Buy, bring your A24 yeah. t-shirt. And, yeah. and so yeah, it depends on what mood you're in also. Like, if you want to, like, laugh and have a good time, go Logan see Lucky. Logan Lucky. Yeah, but, like I was telling you before the podcast started... Um, good Time is more intense than Dunkirk was. Which and Dunkirk's, about? like... Pretty intense. Really intense. So that's you're just crazy. on the edge of your seat the whole time because it's just this. it's like a race. Yeah. To did try you guys to get hear? Out of jail. I like that. This is a joke that I'm stealing from another podcast. But did you guys hear the tagline for Dunkirk? Uh uh-uh. uh No. On the beach, everyone can hear you scream. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so on that note, we're talking about Christopher Nolan today. <laughs> yeah. Or oh no, we still have to talk about the movies that we see. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go next. Um, okay. I'm I'm thinking back to when we did our last episode, and I thought I had seen more, and I've still seen a decent amount, some some pretty good and weird stuff, but I haven't seen as much as I thought. Um, I've been watching a lot of Criterions lately because this is Same. like the month after the big sale that just happened. Um, and we'll probably we'll probably do an episode about Criterion in the next coming weeks, possibly. Um, so I watched House for the first time. It's like a 1970s oh, Japanese movie. horror film, I and it was. I don't really know if I can call it that. I don't really want to say anything. It's definitely. It's yeah. It's definitely a campier horror film. Than it's a lot definitely of an experience. I will say that. Um, <laughs> I watched Christopher Nolan's first film, uh, Following. That's a great one too. Uh, which is in the Criterion and is appropriate for this episode. I saw um, Spike Jones, uh, his film Being John Malkovich, and if you haven't seen that movie and you've always heard about it or you don't know what it is, just go watch it. It's probably one of the most entertaining films I've seen in the last like long time. It is just freaking weird. I love Charlie Gotham um, so much. It's so, it's so good. Yeah. Um, I watched Days and Confused. Um, before Sunrise, which is the first of the Before Trilogy by Richard Linklater. It's pretty good. I watched this really weird, modern um, Shakespeare take, or uh, I guess it's based on a Shakespeare play, I don't remember which play it is, called My, My Own Private Idaho with uh, oh. Oh, I haven't seen that Keanu yet. Reeves. From Gus Van Sant. And Gus Van Sant, yeah. And River Phoenix. And River Phoenix, yeah. yeah. I think it was his last film, actually. That movie was weird, too. Um, I don't really know... How That's a Shakespeare adaptation. Yeah. Interesting. I believe it's loosely based on a Shakespeare film. Um, I watched uh, Badlands. Did you know that 10 Things I Hate About You was based on a Shakespeare play? Yeah. Uh, I could. The Taming of the Shrew? That. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see that. Yep. Yeah, she is the Shrew. I saw Terrence Malick's first film, Badlands. Um, obviously, I watched Dunkirk, which we'll talk about today. And then probably my favorite film that has been released this year so far was a ghost story. Um, I love that. I have an instant review for that that I'll play later at the end of the episode, but um, I just thought that film was beautiful and phenomenal. And Yeah, that's what, that's that's pretty much what I've seen. Other than I skipped all the rewatches of stuff that I've already seen that I rewatched, but those are the things that I saw for the first time since our last episode. Cool. Cool. Um, well, have you guys ever heard of the library? It's a place where you can go and they have DVDs. <laughs> yes. And uh, I haven't been to the movie theater in the last few months, but I have been to the library quite a few times. I think I've gone like twice in the past week. Um, but I found a lot of Criterion DVDs there uh, on that note. I picked up quite a few uh, Criterion films. They're the easiest to find in the foreign film section because like half of their foreign films are Criterion films. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched... A few of those. Uh, there was a short film on Criterion called Patriotism by a Japanese director, and it's about a soldier who commits seppuku in front of his lover, and then the lover like follows suit. It's sort of like a. It's said it's like a stage play, and it's very gross, especially. I, I mean. For its time, it was made in like 1950s, oh, wow. like early 60s, yeah, so for its time it was very graphic, um, very graphic film, and then I read more about it in the Criterion booklet, and it turned out that the director was obsessed with the act of seppuku, hmm. and like depicted it 
three times before he actually committed it himself. Can you explain to us what that is, oh. just in case that listeners is, don't know what that is? Seppuku, also known as Harikiri, is the ceremonial, yes, stabbing, d- down is acting it out, stabbing and slicing open of the stomach, and then removal of one's own innards as a way of, like, honorable suicide. Yeah, and then you're supposed to have your head chopped off. Directly after? after. Yeah. You go stab, slice over, and then, and then someone somebody, goes, Kushlink? Yeah, somebody. Huh. I don't especially, know if the source that makes that sound. <laughs> especially with like politicians and uh, oh. government soldiers. people and leaders and stuff. Especially if you've been like, yeah, it was, if you've the, dishonored yourself, they'll chop your head off. So I don't know if he was, if he ever so served in the military in real life, but every time that he was doing Sebaku, he was playing a soldier mm-hmm. on film or... It was either one of his films or somebody else's. So he was, he yeah. did it himself. Like, did he acted? Was he acting? Like, yeah, he, was, he directed himself in this okay. film. Okay. And then he did it actually. In and real then life. he actually yeah, followed through with it. Crazy. Really? Yeah. But he did it multiple it times really in, film, in various films. Uh huh. That's like crazy times. to do that. Like spanning your career and nobody watching your stuff is gonna like try to prevent you from doing <laughs> but that. But hey, he has a place in the Criterion Canon now. Yeah, yeah. and like Valhalla with the Japanese version of Valhalla. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, but let's see, I'm pulling up my list now of the films that I've watched. Other than that, um, I saw Chopping Mall. Uh, Chopping Mall? Chopping Mall. <laughs> sounds great. That sounds like a. Not too great. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> So, yeah, I listen to a lot of other podcasts, and there's another movie podcast called How Did This Get Made, and they tell everybody to watch bad movies, and then they talk about them on the podcast, and that was one of the bad movies. Sounds like a double feature you'd see with, like, Zombievers or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, It's about robots that kill a bunch of teenagers in a mall, and there's a bunch of, like, topless shots, gratuitous nudity, not great. Um, I also watched Hard Ticket to Hawaii, fantastic, a lot of violence, a lot of gratuitous nudity. Um, that was another, how did this get made one? That's actually, it's very, very, it's just wildly over the top. It's, you should read, I wrote reviews for a lot of these on Letterboxd, so if you want to read them, sure. you can go to filmpupshay at letterboxd.com. Um, but I also, cute. <laughs> also watched Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Nice. Uh, Netflix. First Ways time? Of, yes, that was the first time I saw it. What'd you think? I liked it a lot, actually. Nice. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought they did a really good job uh, with the characters, with the pacing, with... I especially love the cast in it. Um, Alan Tudyk was great. I I mean, this, that's actually one I did an instant review of, so I'll save that for later. Um, great movie, though. Wings of Desire was another one that I watched on Criterion. Ooh, I've been meaning to watch that. I haven't seen that. It's, yeah, it's a really beautiful film, very poetic. Um, a little, I would say a little sappy at times, maybe too sentimental, but still a pretty great movie. Um, also another one on Criterion I watched called Certified Copy. Uh, I've heard of it. Yeah, with Julia Minoche and another man, a British actor whose name I don't know. A pretty fascinating movie. It's about a couple that meets, and I think they like mean Florence, and then at some point in the film it jumps 15 years forward in their marriage, but you don't know where that point is. So it's like you're just watching these two characters sort of interact and develop a relationship with each other, and then all of a sudden they've been married for 15 years. It's like a really, it's a very fascinating narrative. Um, really great actors, really great script. I liked it a lot. Um, and then I watched a couple of anime films that I'm going to talk about in the Blitz. Cool. And then I watched uh, the classic Man Bites Dog, which if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. I wouldn't recommend it exactly. 
Um, <laughs> is that the... That's the one with... It's about a serial killer and a film oh. crew that's following around a serial killer while he kills people. Oh, okay. And at one point in the movie, they run to another film crew who's filming another serial killer. Mm. And there's like... It's, it has a very sardonic tone, um, but at the same time, it was like when it premiered at Cannes, people walked out of it because it was just so gross. And it's, it, it is pretty gross. And there pretty are definitely graphic. scenes that, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of the murders are just like strangling or shooting, like he uses a gun a lot, but- um, Old Man Bites Dog. Yeah. You can watch that in full on YouTube. Um, it's a friend, a Belgian 1992, film, huh? Mm-hmm. It's a cool classic. I don't know how you say that. Whatever. Yeah, camera crew follows a serial killer slash thief around as he mm-hmm. exercises his craft. So, yeah. Uh, if you want to watch a oh. notorious film, you can watch that one. Like it's, I said, This there. poster makes me not like it very much. It's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably like a redone. Does he kill a baby? Um, he does kill, kill a toddler at one point. No. I'm not saying I haven't watched films like that or I don't enjoy watching films like that. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I, if you, it's, I guess, I don't know if it's sort of part of the genre of like found footage horror films, but um, it definitely, I could definitely see the influence of like Cannibal Holocaust and. Is it? Do you think? Would you say that like the film is important, or would you say it's just trying to be like over the top and like I'd disgusting say, just for the sake? Of I would it? say in the state of cinema now, uh, especially with the state of horror films being what they are now, with the, um, with the very concept of violence on film being pushed far past the extreme that whoever made that movie was pushing it. Um, I would say it's not as important as it was anymore. And in retrospect, it just seems like an exercise in grossness. <laughs> um, people like to make movies about stuff. Like even if can. it's about the grossness of the human condition or whatever, it's just kind of gross. <laughs> so. All right. So you kind of suggested maybe I should do my soundtrack thing. And while we were talking, I was thinking of a perfect segue into our uh, next segment. Ah, yes. And a segment, or a segue of soundtracks. So uh, I... So is this an official soundtrack corner? (laughs) Yeah, this is... Okay. This is Alicia's first soundtrack corner segment. Alicia's soundtrack corner. Um... So I listen to a lot of soundtracks while I study. Like I can't listen to anything with lyrics in it because then I'm just listening to that and not paying attention to what I'm reading or writing. So um, my favorite, like I'll do a little trill, it's not a trilogy, but a little three piece mm-hmm. soundtrack thing here. But uh, I listen to a lot of period piece music um, and like period piece film soundtracks. Mm -hmm. And so I would suggest if you want to listen to something really pretty, uh, Jane Eyre's soundtrack is really great. It's the one... uh, The newest Jane Eyre with... Yeah. Like Colin Firth, I imagine, is in it. Yes. And there's there's a girl in it that's like pretty big right now but anyways that one and then uh pride and prejudice with Kira knightley like the 2000 whatever one the is, one plays that music on the piano all the time yeah it's beautiful it's it great really it's, it's got some so, beautiful music in it both, so good. yeah both my siblings would watch that movie i think every other day yeah one of the summers we were in high school and yeah that soundtrack it's definitely my top 
like 20 films. It's a really good movie. Um, and then, so there's the soundtrack for Atonement, um, which I don't know, have you guys seen? I have seen Atonement. Oh, I don't love that movie. Oh man, okay, well. <laughs> Everyone that's seen it loves it, but like that movie, like. Oh, it's depressing as hell. Yeah, I <laughs> I read the book after I watched it, and I like couldn't finish the book because I was so sad. <laughs> it's like a pretty impressive that that impressive shot when they're like, cause like that. I don't even know how long it is. Probably like five or six minute yes. continuous shot. That's pretty cool. So that's my segue here. Is that the Elegy for Dunkirk is on that soundtrack, and it's like the best best oh. song on that soundtrack. Oh, is. And so that shot on the beach is like a seven minute long take that they, it was their third take of that that they kept. Is that supposed to be at Dunkirk? And that's Dunkirk, yeah. Oh, I didn't know so that. So he dies at, spoiler, he dies at Dunkirk. At the Battle of Dunkirk, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't get out of Hashtag battle. no spoilers <laughs> if you haven't seen Atonement. <laughs> good, just go watch. Just erase the past 20 seconds yeah. of the podcast for your memory. Um, but, so yeah, that whole shot of them shooting the horses and all the boats and the people on the beach and... And that's that's that was Christopher Nolan shooting Dunkirk. Yeah, (laughs) maybe I need to give it. Maybe I'll give Atonement a second chance. Oh, Um, it is so gorgeous. I really love that film, and the book is it's like right in sync with the book. It's like it's exact almost. It's really great. And even in the book, like you don't know like the twist of the movie and fun fun side note. I mean, we're going into Christopher Nolan right now, and we're coming out of soundtracks right now. Yep. So we have Atonement. Jane Eyre and what was the Pride and Prejudice. Prejudice. Three really beautiful period piece soundtracks you can listen to on Spotify. (laughs) So just a a fun side note, um, like Hans Zimmer obviously collaborates with Christopher Nolan pretty consistently now. Yeah. Um, And I just did a pretty large uh, music theory paper on the music of Batman Begins. Ooh, interesting. Um, That'll be be published in the next five or six months. And if we do more about like composers or something like that, then I can probably talk a little bit about that here, but just, mm-hmm. yeah, just a little fun fact. That yeah. I'll, that's something to look forward to. Can we talk about my theory about how the entire score of Star Wars? I mean, I know it's not on Zimmer. <laughs> but or Christopher Nolan. Pretty sure. Or Christopher Nolan. <laughs> that's right. For some reason, I thought that was Hans Zimmer for like three seconds, and then I remembered the name John Williams, and I was like, wait. <laughs> wait, I'm wrong. 9.30 is really early in the morning for me. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Star Wars, the entirety of the Star Wars score is just variations on DSE Ray. That's my theory about it. Wait. I'll look into that. Oh. But I could be wrong. <laughs> John well, Williams most might like, think Most that likely I'm you're not romantic. completely wrong. But anyways, Christopher right. Nolan though. Christopher Nolan, the master, yeah. the genius, the dude. Yeah. <laughs> the dude. We, we'll get a little more into his most recent film, Dunkirk. The dude of um, But uh, he, I wish he did the dude of Ads, but he, he, he just released a new film movies. called Dunkirk that you hopefully have all seen. Yeah, I, uh, I have not. not to toot my own horn here and be like, oh, look at me, but I went saw it in 35 millimeter in Portland. Yeah, they they no, showed it here too. And then 70 mil. Oh yeah, yeah, seventy millimeter. Uh, um, and then in IMAX in Boise. Oh, are they? They're playing it in IMAX. Yeah, I enjoyed well, the IMAX is 70 mil, it right? so much. No, they're not playing it. They didn't play it in seventy millimeter here. Is they did it on IMAX. IMAX. Yeah, they have the means to do it in seventy millimeter, but, but they, they didn't do it. They don't have the real film. They only did. I don't know. I, I guess they didn't I buy it. I they, saw they it in showed, IMAX and I thought it was 70 mil. They but. showed Interstellar in 70 millimeter. Because hmm. it's like if you go to a listing, they'll show 
the states and theaters that are showing it in 70 millimeter and we weren't on that list oh huh weird Fandang right, fandango's yeah. description said that it was 70 mil but i guess they just weird. did that for, uh, maybe, for all the, i don't know i feel like they would have advertised it in 70 millimeter because like they did the, with interstellar yeah and so no, people I'll, like put went it on the marquee at least it. yeah exactly for Interstellar, it was like they were like, "Yes, this is a seventy yeah. millimeter." I still enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it in IMAX. It was yeah. really loud and really big. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! Another mm-hmm. thing that happened in the long time that we went away. I actually went to Portland for the first time, and yeah, I like walked outside of the theater that you saw mm-hmm. Dunkirk in, but did not yeah. actually see Dunkirk in that theater. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a really old theater. Yeah, I tried to catch really Captain cool. Underpants at the Avalon, and I missed it. Oh man! But. Well. Uh, do we want to talk about other Christopher, Christopher Nolan films? Nolan or oh, for sure. I mean, I had, I had mentioned earlier in the list of films that I had watched. I watched his first film, um, which following. is in the Criterion, Following. A lot of people think that Memento is his first film. That was like his first Big. like commercial film, uh, yeah, te- that was technically. Sort of breakthrough film. Um, but Following was like, in interviews that he's done, Following was the last film that Christopher Nolan and his small like group of filmmaker friends did on their own mm-hmm. um, on like a really low budget. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's the one that they that's the last one that they did, and it's it's super cool to me to look at the 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 arc of Christopher Nolan's career because it's not really even an arc; it's just gone up because you have his small independent film the you know following, and then you have. A little bit bigger with Memento, and then he yeah. did a film that's called Insomnia that's kind of under the radar that I haven't seen. That was with Robin Williams, right? No. I don't know. I don't know who's in that one. I will. De Niro might be in it. But then immediately after that, he did the first film of the Batman trilogy, and since then, he's just done these Ooh. giant, yes. grandiose films. Oh, Rob, yeah, yeah. Robin Williams and Al Pacino, right? Oh, there you go. Ah, uh, huh. I know it's Robin yeah. Williams. Yeah. Yeah, and I. Link, so. I haven't seen it. I need to see it. That's like I think that's the last Christopher Nolan film I need to see. Me too, actually, because I've seen Following as well, and I I really like Following. Yeah, it's um, cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty. Sh- it's a very short and sweet film. Yeah. Um, definitely. You can still you can still see Christopher Nolan's finger in the work in that like, film very yeah. much. So like you're like yeah, this definitely is the characters a and sort of film. the characters, the cinematography. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's good. Screen Christopher Nolan. Yeah, it's, it's super good. What's interesting to me about his career is, even though like he did he did these Batman movies, right? And yeah. Those aren't as like thought provoking. Like, I mean, they kind of are. They're I would not say the Dark Knight is. They're not mind benders. Like, I mean, Inception, right. Prestige, and Interstellar. Those three films. Are That's like, the thing I wanted to say about Christopher Nolan. They mess with your head. Yeah, and a lot of filmmakers like and Memento. Yeah, a lot of like summer films or like big popcorn movies you'll see, and you'll you'll feel like the directors are insulting your intelligence. But Christopher Nolan actually makes you feel smarter than you actually are for yeah. watching his movies. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't exactly. make it like, good, but he makes it. He builds such high concepts and such like mentally puzzling, just like plot elements like like inception just the idea of mm-hmm. what's well, cool is that christopher nolan's been for the mo- most of his films he's been co-writing with his brother that's right uh, robert yeah. i think it's robert, robert nolan? Nolan? something like that richard nolan i don't know i, I don't know it's, it's something like that but corrections department christopher nolan's brother's name is jonathan uh which happens to be nothing like that
But him and his brother pretty consistently Roger. have been writing yeah, those they were films the dark together. together, right? And I think his brother does more writing than Christopher does. Um, hmm. Like Christopher Nolan, obviously, like will think of this idea and will think of all the unique little things that he's wanting to do, and like the story with the story. But his brother is the one that pens it for the most part. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, like. What I like is that he has a lot of these mind-bending films, but he threw his Batman trilogy in between that. You know, so he did Batman Begins, and then he did The Prestige, and then he came back with another Batman film. Then he did Inception, then he came back with another Batman Batman film. Um, I gotta say, I think of all of his films, even the ones that are like his original stories, I, I haven't seen Interstellar yet either, so Interstellar. Really? Yeah, it might take the cake for me if I ever see it, but I would say The Dark Knight is. Uh, I mean, we talked about The Dark Knight on the last episode, yeah. but oh my god, it is just so rich with like character study and um, all the, the themes of like heroism and. Uh, just so I, I don't know I don't know what other word to use it for it than rich but like when I saw it it just it really took my breath away just how monumentally um I mean just how big everything was in the movie not just like the set pieces and the performances but like the the, the story in it was I guess the plot felt yeah to like put things into perspective, catastrophic even. Mm-hmm. Put things into perspective. Next year, The Dark Knight turns the ten. Complex. Oh my God! Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was released in two thousand eight, and like I told you, I saw that That's movie insane. like in theaters like seven or eight times. Man, I th- I think I saw it three times in theaters, and I was I was twelve years old, twelve or thirteen. Oh my God! Yeah. I was, I was thirteen. Yeah, I was thirteen. I was thirteen when the I was movie thirteen came years out. old. I. The last. I don't think I'd ever seen a bat, a single Batman movie before. Dark. No, I think I remember watching Batman Begins and not thinking much of it. And yeah. then everybody was like getting hype over the Dark Knight, and I saw it. I was like, "Whoa, this movie's so hype! <laughs> <laughs> so hype! Oh, he's Ledger is the greatest <coughs> actor ever born." <laughs> I was choking. I was so excited about the movie. You should just like loop that sound of you. <laughs> I don't. don't <laughs> this movie's so hype. I don't know if I can pick a favorite. I mean, I'm, 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 up there, I'm kind of biased because. I wouldn't say bias. That's not that's not the right word. I I'm a sucker for uh, like science fiction films. So, and for Batman films. And for Batman films, but like uh, Interstellar was one of my favorites that I saw on the big screen. Uh, but at the same time, watching The Prestige in my living room, mm. like that movie, I think is one of the that, most creative ideas. Yeah, that's what yeah. I that I've I seen from him. I saw it for the first time last year. And I was just like, I don't really want to watch a movie about magicians. Like, that does not seem that intriguing to me. And then, so somebody what, was like, no, you got to see it. rabbit disappear? <laughs> I was like, my friend was just like, you need to see this movie. So we watched it in his, his living room, and I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Also, shout out to Christopher my Nolan goodness. for casting David Bowie as Nikola Tesla. Yeah. I think that was yeah. a very That's solid decision. So yeah. cool. It just, like, blew my mind. Yeah. 
And then Interstellar just like hits me yeah. in my heart. In the it just punches my heart. That makes you, that really makes you think about your relevance in this world, yeah. and at the same time, like your relationship with like your family and it's or like, close friends. I really, really like Matthew McConaughey. I mm -hmm. don't think I've liked him in everything he's done, but I love him in True Detective, and I love him in Interstellar. Like yeah. he's just like plays a really cool. Like dad, I would want him to be my dad. I'm like, you're rad. <laughs> yeah, I've seen him in that new Lincoln Continental commercial. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty suave. <laughs> just so, see him in he's just like suave. smirking and laughing at himself in the back seat of his Lincoln. He's driving the Lincoln and there has was himself when in the that back. came out. Of course, he'd be driving a Lincoln. That uh, <laughs> that commercial came out, and then Interstellar came out, and I remember. Like somebody played the audio of him talking while he, over him driving the truck away from his kid in Interstellar. <laughs> that was so funny. He's like crying in a truck. Another like, oh. side note in uh, like uh, jokes that they've done with scenes from Interstellar. After shortly after Interstellar came out, the trailer for The Force Awakens came out. Mm -hmm. The first trailer for it came out. So the scene in Interstellar where Matthew McConaughey comes off of the water planet mm -hmm. and it's been like what like 15 years. I remember what it mm -hmm. what it is. Yeah, the the time, time thing mess. He's it's been a while. So he goes to the little computer in the corner and like watches videos that his kids have sent him. Mm -hmm. And it's like him like crying and like reacting to like the videos that his daughter and son have sent him. It's like they edit this this clip into like the Star Wars trailer uh -huh. and like Matthew McConaughey's reacting to the Star Wars trailer <laughs> and like at certain points throughout the trailer you see obviously Matthew McConaughey's like crying and like it's the most like genius thing ever. If you haven't seen that go like YouTube Matthew McConaughey reacts Sounds like to a Star meme. Wars. <laughs> it's it is it's but it's like the most it's big it's meme. great. It's fantastic. <laughs> I really love one of my favorite things about Christopher Nolan and his films is the way he he doesn't like like what you were saying like he makes us feel smarter while we're watching the yeah. movie like he doesn't explain anything to you and like exactly. the time and the timeline of his films doesn't ever like it doesn't match up until the end yeah like and he i makes really him, love that like he, he makes doesn't him explain so conceptually it. dense yeah. that the script like it's almost like Almost like an inception, he built an entire mythology mm -hmm. out of these people who delve into people's subconsciousness. Yeah. Um, and just made all of these laws for, like, skipping between the different levels and, like, this is what you have to do and this is what you have to listen for. Like, he set all of that up in a way that it's almost as if the movie exists in... A world that is beyond ours <laughs> like mm -hmm. it exists yeah. entirely Christopher Nolan's mind and it may not be scientifically sound mm -hmm. but it's just like this it is like a labyrinth of a story superimposed well, onto our universe you definitely need to go see Interstellar because mm. it's the same thing it's like I mean it's it's Earth in the future but then the way he plays with time and space and what time and space can mean, it's like nobody actually knows. Like, huh. 
it, like he, time and space he, he can chooses, be totally he different. He chooses what he wants it to like become. At yeah, the end like of you could go through a wormhole cool. or a black hole. You yeah. can go through the center and end up on a different like realm of time wow. and space. And like we don't know if that's. I guess yeah. I don't know. You he, know, he just like he found a couple. Of, yeah. and I love that so much. Amazing. Like, like, sounds like he found a couple of concepts that people are like sort of familiar with. Yeah, but there's like, a couple sort things. of get a grasp of, and he just sort of squeezed right into the gray area. There's a couple things that you said that I like. I mean, first of all, interestingly, you said Labyrinth. I don't know if you've seen the like logo for his production company, uh-huh. Syncope. It's a Labyrinth. Oh, uh, that's his production company? Yeah. Oh. Um, but at the same time, you know, like you said, in, in some of these movies that like he messes with time or he there's messes with the subconscious or he messes with, um, you know, technology that magicians are using or whatever, um, it feels like a pretty familiar world where he might not be 100% like scientifically accurate, yeah. but it all feels like real enough. It feels like it's just outside our reach to where we could be like, that could totally happen. Like, in real it life. feels like there is a logical theory to the fantasy that well, you, you, to us. But you take that in his like mind-bending films and you can still apply that to his Dark Knight trilogy because he had the same mentality mm-hmm. when he made those. He wanted them to be as realistic as possible and you think about yeah. it and I'm like, yeah, those could happen. Those like those movies could totally happen. Like, I think that's what's cool about Christopher Nolan. Yeah, it's like they're kind of superhero films but also like this could happen in real life. Like a dude right. with a lot of money in a suit could be fighting a really terrible person that's like trying to mess up everything and like, like he never like wants people. the viewer to suspend their disbelief so yeah. that they can enjoy his films like okay. he always no one's ever gonna it. sit back it. and go he always okay, tries to Christopher find it Nolan, except like, for yeah. maybe The Dark Knight Rises I felt like there are definitely parts yeah. of that that were wish fulfillment and <laughs> just straightforward like, I don't know that opening scene at the plane like it's really cool I don't know yeah. I mean a lot and of that would really happen cool. I, I loved The Dark Knight Rises up until like the third act um, yeah the third act it's a little it's yeah very wish fulfillment no spoilers yeah hashtag no spoilers <laughs> yeah I don't know I, I think Christopher Nolan is a I think I'm not gonna say he's underrated obviously no one finds him underrated but I think he's one of those filmmakers that is kind of he's kind of going through the motions but he has been successful with almost every single film that he's released right. um I think he's among most people's favorites, especially sure. in even just your avid film goer. Like, like you can take a cinephile, and they can love it just as much as my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, like his films I, are so they're so like engrossing. Like even Memento, yeah. we didn't talk about Memento, mm-hmm. yeah. but he always yeah. finds something unique, like. There's always something that a filmmaker hasn't done before Christopher Nolan in one of his films. Mm-hmm. And I can't say if, you know, the reverse narrative was something that happened in movies before Memento, but just the way that he melded that con- concept into his lead character in that movie was something that we hadn't really seen in a movie before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the way that the character's memory sort of works exactly the same as ours going through, going backwards through a story. Um, well, what's interesting is almost every film up until Dunkirk, you go into the film not knowing, like, okay, am what, I gonna what see, are you going to do to me this time? Am you know? I going to see 
uh, Harry Styles in this movie or not? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> that's the t- hey, Christopher Nolan changed that. That's the twist in uh, Dunkirk because I didn't even realize he was in that movie until like I'm looking at him and I'm yeah. like, people say that he looks just like every other. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, he, he looks average and normal and I'm looking at him and I'm like, normal. I know who this is. Who is this? And my friend who was watching the movie with me was like, isn't that like somebody famous? And I was like, let me think about it. And about 15 <laughs> minutes later, I was like. That's Harry Styles. <laughs> I, told, like, I had to tell oh. my friend after the movie that Harry Styles was in it, and he's like, what? <laughs> I was like, you didn't notice? <laughs> you didn't see him there? Amazing. I, uh, I love Harry Styles, so I was into it. One Direction? Is this his acting debut? One Direction is pure. One Direction is pure, and his album that he put out is I perfect and beautiful, and I love it. I, <laughs> I listen to it. to it all the time. I haven't listened to it, probably won't listen it's to great. it, to be honest. It's good. Not because I, 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 I don't think it'll be good. It's, <laughs> I, I would give it a list, listen hmm. through. I like it. Um, but speaking of Dunkirk and like his manipulation of time, it took me until the second time watching it to truly understand what he was doing with the timelines in Dunkirk. Because he has little, I think it's the first time he's ever like given hints to the audience, but I think he had to. But like with like Dunkirk was, we were watching it for a week span of time. Like every time he went back to Dunkirk, it was we were watching it as a week. A week has huh. passed. Yeah. So in the whole movie, a week had passed on Dunkirk, I've only and seen when it once. we, so. when we uh, are looking at the like the everyday people driving their boats across to Dunkirk, that's a day, and then the Tom Hardy airplane people. That was just an hour of time, but he like puts all of that into an this hour movie. And a half movie. It's I think it's genius. Like that I didn't understand cool. what didn't was happening, but hmm. yeah. Mean, so that's why like when you're watching scenes on Dunkirk, like night and day passes, and like when they're sitting on the beach after the failed attempt to get off Dunkirk, like a couple days go by, mm-hmm. and then them and yeah. that other boat, a couple days go by. And the whole with like Killian Murphy, he he had already been like, like his boat had been blown up, and the people on the the boat picked him while. up and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, so I just love the way he like plays with timelines in general. Like Dunkirk is a really hmm. good example. And with narrative, of that. yeah. I didn't so, realize that. That's cool. Yeah, that's why the little time cards at the beginning is like Dunkirk. One or it's the mole is one week and then huh. yeah. So it's like golden parts almost. Yeah, but he like switches back, and, switch forth back and forth effortlessly. Huh. But then like the timelines kind of intersect each other and go past each other through the whole movie. Right. It's super cool. Um, yeah, cool. I like I I love. Yeah, Dunkirk. he always finds <laughs> something unique to do with the narrative. Yeah, it's not just like eh, this is the story of. Or like some, on a, on a just beach. like some fundamental er- element of narrative that we're used to seeing in any other movie, mm-hmm. and he just sort of subverts that, yeah, or changes completely, or obliterates it. And it's like he he can't. It's like he almost can't stick to a like just a, normal timeline. Yeah, <laughs> I really I admire that a lot. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I I've heard a lot about how people are kind of bothered by the lack of character development in Dunkirk. And I am all about it. I'm all about the lack of character development in Dunkirk. It seems I, like a departure from. I love it, general. and I love like I don't think directors and writers need to 
write character development yeah. to every single movie. I'm like, let's play with something new. Like, I think definitely. I love it. Yeah, I feel like character development in Christopher Nolan movies sort of. Like I said, I still haven't seen Interstellar, but I sort of took a started taking a sort of a slow nosedive uh, once, like once he made Inception. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, everybody was freaking out about Inception because the plot was amazing, the characters were amazing, the characters were pretty cool, but like a lot of people didn't like this Leo DiCaprio's character or like the way that or his story people mm-hmm. were nec- weren't necessarily there for that like they didn't really yeah i don't know a lot of people thought it was hokey mm-hmm. and then like the dark knight rises too i felt like was sort of a the or the way i mean of course you had the strong characters that were built up throughout the entire trilogy mm-hmm. and i wouldn't say i felt like it was a cheap resolution but it was definitely a much less it felt like it had a lot less weight and substance than I would hope from like, especially the last in the Batman trilogy of yeah. Christopher Nolan's movies. But I don't know, hopefully that's something, probably something that won't affect the quality of his films in the long run. Yeah. We'll talk about more about how his war film kind of stands up against- All the other war. All the other war films that we'll, we'll talk about yeah. after Shay's little yeah, let's My little uh, blitz. Yeah. Yeah. Are we doing the blitz? Let's yeah. Is blitz. it time? It's time. Let's it's time for an anime blitz. It's Shay's anime blitz. I have no idea what this means or what this is going to be, so. Yeah, let's So, uh, what this is, this is going to be three minutes of the podcast where I talk about anime movies and nothing but anime movies. I watched two of them and the. Buckle your seatbelts. So yeah, get, buckle your seatbelts. Strap on your anime helmets. This is not my territory, so I'm just gonna listen. That's what I figured. <laughs> yep. Okay, Three, so two, two movies one, I want to talk about uh, these days. The first one is one that I watched last night. It's called The Boy and the Beast. Uh, movie by Mamaro Osoda, who also directed. Whoops. Shut up, phone. He also directed Summer Wars and Summer a movie Wars. that came out more recently called Wolf Children that Wolf I haven't seen. Wolf Children. I really want to see, but Summer Wars I've is great. I've heard a lot about Wolf Children. Me too. And The Boy and His Beast, five stars, excellent movie. It's about an orphan. Not an orphan. Or he's not really an orphan. About a boy who runs away from home when he's nine years old, and he finds uh, beast he like, world. He meets a beast who's like this sort of humanoid person. Uh, bear creature. His name is Kuma Tetsu. Literally means bear monkey. Anyway, that's what he looks like. Yeah, so it means a beast, and the beast's like, hey, do you want to be my pupil? And he's like, what does that mean? Means and there's going to be a training is transported to a world of beasts that's sort of parallel to the human world. Beast and, world. Um, after a lot of yelling and arguing, he uh, resolves himself to become to become this beast's pupil. And he does all the chores! And it turns out that this beast, and it's all set up at the beginning of the film, but he's like in contention, contention to become the next lord of the beast realm. Big old and, beast uh, lord! he can only do that. Like, he can only be a lord if he has a pupil, so he just takes on a pupil sort of begrudgingly. as like, oh, I need a pupil. Here's a kid. <laughs> and, um, hey, kid! Then the movie, uh, he grows up under the care training of this, you know, callous beast man, and they fight a bunch. Uh, is there for seven and a half years, almost ten years, well. and then 
just incidentally one day finds his way back to the human world. Boring old Shibuya, um, Tokyo. It's a very... It's a pretty long movie. It's about two hours. Um, 119 like minutes. Rather... Good lord, Shay. Like Pick it, up the damn pace. It might... It, it is a very long story, too, but um, I was completely swept up by it. Um, it's, it's drawn a lot of comparisons to Hayao Miyazaki and Spirited Away. Um, sure is some spirit and in I it. definitely saw the influence of Spirited Away in it. A lot of this. Uh, it looked real good, like a Ghibli if movie. Not in the art design. I felt like definitely in the art design of this other realm, there was a lot. Of, it was very colorful. I got on um, a limb and say fantastic. Also, the character designs were really excellent. Um, everybody in the Beast world is like this sort of, I would guess, furry beast creature. Furry. They're like pigs. And, Goats and horses and monkeys and they're all big old furries. Yeah, I all swear really to God. All vibrant character design and uh, the characters, like the dynamics between the boy and the beast, are sort of it's sort of like this father son story where they can't really. Oh, that was three minutes. <laughs> See, I thought the time was counting up, and I was like, oh, I've only been talking for forty-five seconds, but I only have forty-five seconds left. <laughs> So I talked about one anime movie, and we get to the second one, but it's called The Boy and His Beast. And uh, highly recommended, five stars, find it at the library or on your internet. Awesome. And that was Shay's Anime Blitz. <laughs> I like that. I got caught up. But... That's, a, that's a good segment, I meant that. Yeah. Also, if I can just blitz for 10 more seconds, I wanted to talk about the other movie that I didn't get to. It's called yeah. Berserk. It's actually a trilogy of movies called Berserk, The Golden Age. And I really recommend it if you like Game of Thrones. It's very violent. Um, it's about a swordsman who falls in with a band of mercenaries called the Band of the Hawk and has to fight giant demons and has to uh, cut soldiers' heads off. And man... What a great movie. <laughs> what a great trilogy of movies. It's called Berserk. Search out the manga, the anime, the original anime, not the newest anime. A whole bunch of stuff that I couldn't blitz into, but yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. Um, all right. So, war films. War films. It's always a summer favorite. A segue from Just Dunkirk. want to watch yeah. people dying. and. I, I mean, I know that, like... The the subject of war is a really touchy subject for a lot of people in yeah, in, in a lot I of different ways. You know, um, I'm not gonna lie, war films are pretty powerful. I think, and I think some of them, when done the right way, are pretty important. Um, I don't know. The first war film I saw when I was young was Saving Private Ryan, and I saw that when I was like 14, hmm. and I really had no concept of what war was. And I know that a movie is exactly that, a movie. But when a war film is done correctly, and, you know, they don't cut away from the, the stuff that's hard to watch, mm -hmm. it really, like, shows you how messed up Yeah. Uh, it is. I would say... Oh, man. I mean, like I said, I have mixed feelings about war films. There are mm -hmm. some really, like, some war films that are, like, my favorite movies. Like, they're yeah. really great war films. Um, movies that talk about, like, the horrors of war that really get into just how much soldiers are sacrificing on the battleground. And um, even there are... Man, I'm really juicy about modern war movies, uh, but like movies like Zero Dark Thirty or like The Hurt Locker, 
that really get into like the psychosis of war and like the toll that it takes on the human psyche. Um, but at the same time, I feel like war movies in general, especially movies about World War II, because like World War II was the best war, hands down. I mean, like we were the good good fighting the big bad and there was like no moral ambiguity. We were fighting against racism instead of being oddly complicit in it. Oh, you know? I have thoughts about that. Yeah, that we're gonna that. talk about American <laughs> Sniper at some point, but anyway. Well, I, mean, I have quite an opinion just, on that film. Like, from the American standpoint. Oh, uh, fighting uh, racism? Well, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I have thoughts about like, that. Too. Like Hitler uh, <laughs> in his speeches was like, yeah, I got a lot of my concentration camp IDs, ideas from Thomas Jefferson and and from all of the reservations yeah. that we have for yeah. our native people. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, there, yeah. I mean, yeah, and I mean, we, we kind had of, concentration camps in World War Two. We just as had well. to like they just weren't as harsh. Yeah, we just weren't murdering everyone. Yeah, we weren't we weren't committing genocide. We were just letting them die. And yeah, we're just like, oh no, camps. you're really cold. Uh, okay. Oh, uh, we don't bye. have enough to feed you we don't have blankets sorry well, what is yeah. let me ask you guys do you guys you have, have to be here because you're Japanese anyway do you guys have a favorite um, but war movies do war I have film? a favorite war movie or a couple favorite oh man um if I'm thinking back I mean Saber Private Ryan is definitely a big one um I really actually actually I would say my favorite war film I don't know how much it counts as a war film because it's a it's a comedy and it's a very talky movie, but Doctor Strangelove. That's or how I, no, that's a war film. That's war the, the Cold War, dude. That works. Oh, I love that movie. That yeah, that I say is my favorite war movie, just because it's all about. Um, I mean, definitely. There are I haven't watched a lot of Cold War films, but um, it's so it really seems to illustrate the futility of war and like the absolute um, just absurdity of I guess because the Cold War was a war of ego honestly mm-hmm. and that's and <laughs> Dr. Strangelove is all about people striking each other's egos so that they don't succumb to nuclear what I, what I like that Stanley Kubrick the director said he's just mm-hmm. like He's like, when watching this movie, I want, it's, I want people to think about, like, what if. Because literally, like, if you had some very important person that has their hand over the red, the big red button, so to speak, mm-hmm. that, like, you know, somebody were to slip something stupid into the president's drink, or somebody were to... Or if somebody were just to snap. I mean, you know, that all about any, anything, mm-hmm. you know, this, this, that film is a depiction of how absurd people could get. I mean, and that film is super important because, like, that it came out at a time where people were like, "Are you kidding me? Like, this is just a joke to you." Um, right. It came out like before the, like before the Berlin Wall came down. Like, yeah. no, that was like, right? That was like twenty years after World War Two. It was like in the midst of the nuclear sort of scare that we had with Russia. Yeah. And, like, we were doing bomb drills. Well, Stanley Kubrick. And Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick yeah. is my it was favorite a director. Movie for sure. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick is my favorite director. Uh, Doctor Strangelove is one of my favorite comedies of all time, aside from war films. But Stanley Kubrick has made some of my favorite war films of all time. Mm-hmm. He's done. He's done Doctor Strangelove. Obviously, he Full did. He did Full Metal Jacket, which is another one of those films that delves into the psyche of a soldier, but even before going out to war. Um, and that's what? A, that's a hard movie to watch. That's really Full Metal Jacket's like mostly about how uh, 
a lot of these like boot camps and the idea of being in the military take you from being like a human being to literally just like a weapon mm-hmm. um, and 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 taking everything that's special about you and stripping it away um, it's a very powerful film I remember the first time I watched that I was like like pretty much it comes in two acts and literally if it, the movie were to end after that first act that takes place just yeah. at like a camp or whatever I would have been satisfied. Like that ending right there is just like, but there's a whole second half to that movie. It's like really long. The other movie that he does is um, uh, Paths of Glory, which I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's an an anti-war film starring Kirk Douglas. Um, And it's about these soldiers that get told to go take the specific place. It's a, did I already say it's a World War I film? It takes place uh, in World War One, so it's about, a lot about trench warfare. Mm-hmm. And this general sends these soldiers to go take this specific place, and they know that they're going to die 100%. And one of these guys, like one of the three soldiers, like abandons them. Um, and then these three soldiers get accused for like fleeing their duty. And anyways, mm-hmm. it's really good. Um, but what I was, I think I brought this up in our last episode is that for the most part some of the biggest or you know biggest names in Hollywood as far as directors they've all kind of done their little take on war films yeah you said that you last know, time um, uh, Francis Ford uh, Coppola did Apocalypse Now um, obviously um, Steven Spielberg's done a couple war films like did Michael Bay do any war films? Michael Bay if you count Transformers and our war I guess, yeah. against the, <laughs> the war against the machines. Yeah. Uh, who did Pacific Rim? That was Guillermo del Toro. Okay. okay. Uh, oh, wait, no. Oh, God. Pearl Harbor, of course. Of course, Pearl Harbor. How could we Is that Michael Bay? Yeah. That Michael? Oh, my. that explains uh, yeah. so much. That does. <laughs> I, I grew up loving Pearl Harbor. How did we forget? I used to watch Pearl it Harbor. all the time. I mean, that, I think that folds right into the point I wanted to make about war films. Uh, or one of the points I wanted to hit about war films is I feel like definitely in the movies about World War II, um, they built up such a rich cinematic tradition of the war film um, mm-hmm. that has really played into the sanctification of war and the glorification of troops um, in American culture, which leads to movies like American Sniper, mm-hmm. uh, which I haven't seen. I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, I from what I hear, the way the film it exposes certain troops as the racist dogs that they are and does so uh, with earnest pride. <laughs> Knowing Clint Eastwood, um, I wouldn't imagine anything else. What I would say about American Sniper, and I'm not even afraid to give spoilers away, like, obviously... Oh, I don't care about American Sniper spoilers. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. that movie... I, I, love, I love my country, don't get me wrong, but I get a little sick to my stomach when movies like that preach patriotism to that extent. Um, it's like jingoism. That's like when I've told people that I don't like American Sniper, people are like, "Well, you don't like America?" I'm like, "No, I love America. <laughs> I just think that the way this soldier is depicted in this film it, it makes me a little sick." Um, because I've, I've, I, I can't say that I've like read that soldier, like read about the actual soldier in real life, but I'm told that he was like. It was based off. His he was pretty boastful about his accomplishments and how many people he killed. Not just his service. 
but the amount of people from Al Qaeda that he killed. Yeah, and a lot of people say that he like made up a lot of the numbers, but for him to even boast about killing that many people and lying about it is still disgusting and gross. Yeah, and now there's a movie about it. Even if he was lying about it, it's like this movie glorifies that guy. Um, Yeah, like I I mean that that is Clint Eastwood's idea of patriotism is. Patriotism is the like way being the, the biggest and the best and the most powerful. Yeah. And the way the, the movie's made is pretty good. Board. The way the movie's made is pretty good, and then it, it starts to go I mean, into. Clint Eastwood is a competent director. It starts to go that. into more about how that character is like dealing with PTSD and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's mostly. Hurt Locker did it better, I bet. It's, oh yeah. It's mostly about the patriotism that 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 got me that I wasn't yeah. a fan of. Have you guys seen the Hurt Locker? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very. I that and Zero like Dark Thirty are yeah. two very excellent movies. Um, have you seen Zero Dark Thirty? That's about the hunt and capture of Osama mm-hmm. bin Laden. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember hearing about it at the Oscars. And I think Jessica Chastain, did she win Best Actress for that? No. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's won Best Actress yet. But she was nominated yeah. for that movie. Yeah. And oh man, she is something else for that movie. So my favorite type of war movie is an anti-war movie. Yeah, same that's, here. For that's sure. <laughs> like, I um, feel like every war movie I've ever seen has made me hate war. <laughs> and, I've always liked that. Really and, uh, I mean, that's why I don't watch a lot of war so movies. So my favorite ones awesome. are like Germany Year Zero. Um, it's about like the end of World War II, and it follows this uh, this twelve year old boy through Germany, and through the rubbles of Germany of his town, and it's like the most depressing thing I've ever seen. Um, but it's just like him; he's lost his family. He's twelve years old, just walking around in the rubble of his his city, and it's like really awful. Uh, and then Life is Beautiful. Have you guys seen? I've not that? seen that. It won Best International Film the year it came out, and Frederick then Fellini. and then Fellini won Best Actor that year, and it's like legitimately the like depressing. most depressing film I've ever seen. It's like so heart wrenching. I was just like sobbing on the couch when I, I watched it you. in the first like thirty minutes. <laughs> um, but that's about World War Two and about mm-hmm. a Jewish man losing his daughter and a wife to like they get swept up in the concentration camps and he tries to get them out that actually reminds me of uh, two other films that are i mean yeah this of anti-war films Mm -hmm. um one that i was going to recommend this week they're actually both animated ironically enough but uh there's a movie called waltz with bashir that's a lebanese movie i guess i think no i think it was a shot it was written in french but um, written by, written and directed by uh, an Israeli director who served in the War of Lebanon in 1982 and um, was in Lebanon on the night that a massacre of uh, Palestinians was carried out by a far-right Christian terrorist group under the watch of Israeli soldiers. And so the movie's about how he... um, it starts with him talking to his friend who's having like nightmares about that night mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't remember anything about it and so he starts talking to like specialists and other people who were there in the war trying to reconstruct his memories and it's also a lot about how we can be deceived by our own memories and um, it's I think it was made in 2004 it's called Walt, Walt with Bashir um, it's a very very emotional movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the one that I would highly recommend. I think it's a great one. And then the other one I was thinking of is called Grave of the Fireflies. Have you ever seen it? No, I haven't, but it's on my list. Yeah, not uh, another one that sort of takes place uh, tangentially or like parallel to war, um, mm-hmm. but it's about uh, based on an autobiography. Um, or sort of semi-autobiography because it opens with the main character dying of mm-hmm. starvation. Uh, but it's about two orphans in Japan um, who lose their mother to fire bombings in World War II and their father to the war. Mm-hmm. Um, and one is 15 and the other is four years old and they go to live with their aunt who's terrible and then they run away from their aunt and try to like live on their own and the boy's just like waiting for his father to come back mm-hmm. so that they can be a happy family again and oh my god it is oh man it is far and away the most it is i think the first movie i've ever seen that has actually made me almost cry because mm-hmm. i don't cry a lot um and it is far and away the most depressing movie i've ever seen uh fun tidbit of anime trivia it was actually run as a double feature uh with my neighbor totoro when it was released because that was it was uh <laughs> That was, those what? are actually Studio Ghibli's first two films. Yeah. Um, was Miyazaki's My Neighbor Totoro and Takahata's Grave of the Fireflies. And so they like, couldn't show this? Grave of the Fireflies by itself yeah. because they knew that people weren't going to watch, weren't going to want to watch something that was so sad. So they did Grave of the Fireflies and then My Neighbor Totoro. <laughs> so they could sort How of have like that balance. But yeah. Um, real quick, another really sad World War II film is Au Revoir Les Enfants. It's a French film about a kid who, like, gets sent to a boarding school during World War II and all these boys are, like, sent away so their dads and brothers can go fight. And, uh, and then one of the kids kind of, like, he becomes friends with this other kid and he's like, hey, I'm Jewish, don't tell anybody. And it's just like it's just them kind of keeping a secret together and and looking out for each other and mm-hmm. growing up in a boarding school and it's uh, it's really good it's really sad the ending is it's really my real fa- sad I think my favorite my favorite war film uh, is probably the Thin Red Line I don't know if you guys have seen that no Terrence Malick film I've seen parts of it in World War Two classes but it's uh, the whole thing. You seen it in World War Two classes? Mm-hmm. It's interesting because it's a v- it's about the Vietnam War. Oh, just war film classes yeah. then. <laughs> Is there a war film? <laughs> Not class? World War II, Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, that's a really great film. That's more like Terrence Malick is more of a philosopher. He's like a philosopher. Mm. He's all about philosophy and stuff, and it's about all this internal struggle with these soldiers and their decision to actually like go up this hill. But another war film that I forgot about is uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. yeah, which is a, which that. is a very that unique type of war film. No kidding, um, that is a that is Quentin Tarantino's war film right there. That's my favorite Tarantino. That's my no, sorry, that's my like I think my second favorite Tarantino film. But. Yeah, that reminds me more of Reservoir Dogs than it does of uh, any other war film. Um, <laughs> although I, I mean I compare it to Reservoir Dogs because Tarantino and I haven't seen yeah. Reservoir Dogs, but yeah, it's a very very chummy. Uh, yeah, I enjoy. I, another movie with a lot of great performances. Yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy watching Nazis. Yeah, I actually beat thought. Beat I mean, that was Christoph Waltz's breakthrough role, obviously. Oh my gosh. I really praise Christoph enjoy. Waltz. Praise Christoph Waltz. There's, I'm looking at this list. 
there's a list on Letterboxd that I was looking at just to make sure I wasn't forgetting anything. And there's a movie that's actually not on here. It's like a hundred movies, but there's this movie called The Ugly American, um, starring Marlon Brando. I've heard. And he's a, he's pretty much in a U.S. ambassador sent to I don't remember what country it is, but a lot of awful stuff goes down in this country, and he like kind of has to make sure everything like stays okay. And I know that sounds really vague and really boring, but it's one of my favorite Marlon Brando performances ever. It's it's a fantastic film. Hmm. But, All right, yeah. four films. That was war films. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite, Alicia, or did you pick? A favorite? Um, I don't think I have a favorite. Yeah. I mean, probably life is beautiful. I mean, you don't even really see war. It's just More based in the, in the in the in the concentration camp. But I think it like I don't know embodies what happens not just to soldiers who may or may not have chosen to fight in a war. It's like the people around them who. People who get swept up and lives changed because big dudes in big suits the, the ones decide got they have yeah <laughs> they they want to to do something so yeah that's why I think that's probably my favorite. I mean yeah that's the other thing about World War Two is we were fighting against an enemy that was actively slaughtering people on mass. Mm-hmm. So so all right. Um, Best war. Let's uh, segue. Into what's, what's next? That's, a, that's, an, that's not a super easy segue, but yeah, let's do that. Let's, uh, let's just <laughs> yeah, let's segue right something out. Happier. Um, Yay. Let's do one of each of your. Do you have an yeah. instant review, Shay? Yeah, I have an instant review. Time for an instant review. Uh, I review. So I don't have one, but you guys can show share an instant review each, and then okay, and then I'll test you guys on a letterbox list. Cool. You want to go first, Shay? Or you want me to go first? Um, I'll go first. Cool. I have an instant review of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Oh, yeah. Oh, Can I just yeah. say I love Diego Luna? Yes. And I wish I he was in the, like, the full Star Wars that we're doing right now, you know, not just the story part. Right. <sighs> but spoiler alert, he had to be one of the expendable characters. <laughs> So I just watched uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and going into it, I was told by several people that it was great, and I was certainly not disappointed. It was pretty great. Uh, first thing I gotta say is that I loved the cast. Um, Lawrence Fishburne was great. Alan Tudyk was great. Also, Mads Mikkelsen uh, was in this, and I did not know that before I watched it, and then I saw him, and it made me glad. Um, this is also, I would say, both the funniest and most uh, action-packed Star Wars movie that I've seen to date, which is quite an accomplishment, and um, it pulled it off really well uh, both ways. Um, and I was surprised by that until I saw that this movie was directed by Gareth Edwards, who you may know as the director of The Rage Redemption, um, and as well as other films. And so it wouldn't surprise me to see so many, so much hand-to-hand -hand combat and uh, gunfights in a Star Wars movie. Um, yeah, but there's also a lot of the uh, classic sort of dogfight style aerial scenes uh, that the 
original episode four is known for, um, which was a really fun throwback, and I loved it. I gotta say, I just I, I loved it all across the board, except for there were a few cameos uh, from the episode four installment because this is basically just a direct prequel to episode four so there are a few characters that make appearances and uh a couple of those scenes are kind of uh silly like a bit too much for me um but i thought the ending was uh, no hashtag no spoilers, but the ending was pretty spectacular, as it also was pretty depressing. Um, but I thought it was great, and I think Gareth Edwards is great, and I think you should definitely watch it. And I would give it four and a half stars. All right, so um, Val informed me as that review was taking place that I'm the worst. Um, literally right at the beginning. Literally of the, the worst. I said Lawrence Fishburne. That was Forrest Whitaker. That was Forrest Whitaker, not Lawrence Fishburne. Those are two <laughs> did you, very did you different black men. Did you watch The Matrix? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, please don't send me angry letters. <laughs> I'm not mixing up all of my black actors, I promise. <laughs> um... But yeah, Rogue One. I didn't know Gareth Edwards directed that, and I could definitely Godzilla. see. I did not see Godzilla. Oh, yes. Wow, he's in a lot of stuff. I just knew that he made the Raid Redemption. If you haven't seen the Raid Redemption, that's a great fucking movie. Don't see it. See it. But yeah, uh, Dallin, what do you got? Um, we were talking about it earlier, uh, but I did an instant review of Ghost Story, uh, which is. Uh, an A24 film and so I'll just play that for you real quick I don't remember exactly what I say in this <laughs> it's probably really cheesy and just me like going oh it's so beautiful it's so it's so sweet it's so pretty that's probably it's probably a lot of that but that's what I was feeling when I came out of the theater cool. alright so I'm walking out of the theater right now I just finished seeing um, a ghost story starring Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara um, and I gotta say, I enjoyed this film very, 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 very much. Um, it's like a simple idea. It was done very, very well. The cinematography was quite beautiful. The sparse music was very, very tasteful. Um, great ending. It was short. It's only like an hour and 27 minutes or something like that. Um, the, yeah, it's super interesting. The aspect ratio on this film was like, like an old, I don't even know how to describe it. It was mostly, mostly square. So kind of like black, the two black bars on the sides. But it was, I don't know, it's hard to describe. You just have to see it. But it's, uh, it was a nice, cool, like spiritual journey. Like I, literally and... Um, I don't know, it's cool. I highly recommend it. I'd definitely give this a 5 out of 5. I would see it again. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Go check it out. I'll go story. It's really nice. Well, you guys are all listening to me talk about the film. I'm listening to, like, all the background noises in that <laughs> instant review that I just yeah. said. You can hear me, like, walking around, and, like, I think I heard a dog at one point, but... 
I was probably in a really like weird sappy mood at, at that point when I recorded it, but I would I would still I'd say the same thing. I thought it was fantastic. So they movie. shot it in full screen. I don't really know how they shot it. Like the aspect ratio is like what you'd see on like an old television show. Like it has the black bars on the side, but if you like look at the the way that it's like cropped, they, it's the corners of the frame are rounded. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah. it's it's like this square, but the corners are rounded, so it looks like so it's like faux vintage home recording movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Interesting. I would say that, but it's really, really good. Um, Interesting. Casey Affleck did. A, I think he did a great job in *Super okay. Rooney Mara*. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I like the part that really struck me was when he when the ghost sees another ghost. Oh, that's so sad. Oh my, oh my gosh. Lord, I feel like I wasn't really feeling anything the whole time. I was like, man, this is a bummer, you know? And then, like, and then... Don't tell me about the look on the ghost's face when he sees the other ghost. Well, you can't, you can't see, see their, their faces. I know. <laughs> oh. They're sheets. Um, but just their conversation that they have, it just, it's, like, struck it, me really hard. Yeah, that conversation like, makes me so sad. <laughs> and then, like, the last time that Casey Affleck's ghost sees that other ghost. Yeah. And the ghost like, leaves. Literally when that just, happens, like, I was just took like, the breath out of my chest. I was, I was like, like, oh, my word. Yeah. <laughs> like, or when the, Rudy Mara has a really impressive, like, I don't even know how long that scene was. Probably, like, five or five to seven minutes. She, like, eats this no. pie. I hated it. <laughs> she <laughs> that was so dumb. Where she eats she, a pie. She eats this pie, and it's like one take, pie. literally like an entire like pumpkin pie. Just one pie. take of her eating an entire She's, she's the standing whole, on the, the counter. Take, this take starts this. from when the realtor friend comes in the house. Oh, really? He isn't cut from that scene at all. Oh. Like She comes in the house, drops off a pie, drops off a letter, and then leaves. And then she and just then eats Rudy the Mara, She starts slowly eating this pie, and then, and then over the course of in, yeah. like five, six minutes, she eventually it's is on the floor, long. like disgustingly eating this pie, like to this like level that you're just like, what are you doing? And it's. I mean, her husband just died. I thought it. I thought it was. I thought it was like when I was okay, watching. If that were me, like, it would be like a four-minute shot of just eating the pie and walking away from the kitchen counter. <laughs> Well, like, like no, no need to make an entire scene out of it. She like, yeah. goes, she like goes and throws up. That's, oh, that's she like my. She's clearly trying to do something to herself. Uh huh. But that's my biggest qualm with the first like thirty minutes of Is that, that scene? movie. Was it's, that scene? No, it's his his long takes that are too long and don't serve a purpose. So like the only like good long take in that that first thirty minutes is the. I don't want to give anything away, but the panning to seeing Casey Affleck, the big turning point of the movie. Mm -hmm. Like, that's only really good one where I was like, this is fantastic. Like, the smoke coming into the scene, you don't know mm -hmm. what's happening, pans from the house to the right, like that kid running across yeah. the field, like super beautiful. But like, there's that whole long take of like, Rooney Mara taking that like, chest out to the sidewalk and then back into the house. And it's just like too, long like i love long takes i love them you just thought it was pointless but those ones like there wasn't like i can see he's like like seeing rooney mars grief as she eats that pie but like there's no need for it to be that long i don't know, I don't know. it just but bothers just me the way that she <laughs> the, one, the one thing i will say the only reason why i'm more okay with those long shots is because if he if he was very like specific with the shots that he wanted to be very very long because there's a lot of them throughout the film uh -huh. um if he was just like very very like picky mm -hmm. with like one or two here and there i i liked the long shots because i think starting off the film with a lot of them like sucks you in and 
because the movie's supposed to feel kind of empty. You know, um, and it's supposed to like. If you like Casey uh, Affleck in long shots, have you guys seen Jerry? <laughs> I have. That, oh my gosh. Thank you for reminding me of that movie. You're welcome. That's was that, a that was Casey painful Affleck, right? movie. Yeah. And Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah. That is a painful I made movie. myself watch that movie. And I'm like, I'm glad because the, really the ending is really. Yeah, it's worth it. But if I have to watch Gus Van Sant make another movie where two people are walking side by side for 14 minutes, I'm going to blow my brains out. I'm just kidding. I'm not. But still. Milk. <gasps> have you seen Milk? Have you seen an Elephant? That was half of Milk. With, oh, yeah. Was that Sean Penn? That was an Elephant, too. That was Sean Penn? I was kidding about Milk, but yeah, uh, that actually does happen in Elephant also. Yeah, it happens in Elephant. What was that movie you just said that was by Gus Van Sant? It's milk. Jerry with a J. Jerry. Jerry with a G. Gary, oh. Or is it called Gary or the Jerry? I think it's Jerry, but it's with a G. With a G, yeah, 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 right. right. And it's, yeah, Casey Affleck and Matt Damon get lost in the desert. That's it. That's well, the, that's but the movie. I mean, the ending, like, is super, super sad. And I yeah. was like, oh. Oh, yeah, boy. yeah. It's. But it just takes a long time problem. to get there. <laughs> cool. Let's do these, uh, let's cool. do this last. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to play. Last list things. We're yeah. going to play so, the Letterboxd game. You got Letterboxd right now is like just infiltrated by Hooptober lists. So it's 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 October scary movie. But it's not October. That everyone is doing. Well, everyone's getting ready for it. And it's a big thing on Letterboxd where you... Where it's Halloween for half the year. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> but anyways. Halloween. So I couldn't find a lot of like funny lists right now. Because everyone's lists are scary October movies. But there's one, this one, I don't know if you guys will, we'll see how many you can guess, there's not a lot, but this one is movies where a floating head tries to clarify, clarify the plot. Can you think of any more? Haunted Mansion. Yes. Is it the only one in the list? No. How many are in this? One, two, three, four, five, there's ten, a eleven. A floating head tries to what? Clarify the plot. On a mansion. Are I'm there... usually added after film is in the can. A floating head appears to clarify the plot and bring the viewer up to speed on whatever nonsense is happening in a far off fictitious land. What the heck? Is Harry Potter in one of those? No. Okay. Okay. Um, There's some I've never heard of. Christmas but Carol? It's not on here. A floating head? Okay. What the heck? So I got one. Yeah. Um, oh man, a floating head. Is it. Necessarily a ghost head? No. There's one that I don't know. I don't know. Wait, how was there's a floating head? Did Mulan do that? Mm. Is Mulan on the list? No. Okay. Wait, I think it might. I'm trying to think of movies that have floating heads in general. <laughs> I can't. Remember. I mean, it's probably only in that scene. <laughs> one, I'll give you a hint. One's a David Lynch film. Oh, oh shit! Really? Yeah. Um, one is a horror movie, there's like a first one and this one's a second one, and it's kind of like the campy one that everyone loves. I don't know if everyone loves these movies, but... Good hints. Um, there's also one with a, with a Tim Curry in it. Anyway, I don't know. It. No. Um, the Addams Family? <laughs> I know what movie you're talking about with Tim Curry, I don't know what it's called. What um, David Lynch movie, though? Not Eraser, is it Eraserhead? No. No. No, it wasn't in a research. Was it Mole and Drive? No. Twin um, Peaks Firewalk with me? No. Well, apparently somebody in the comments said Twin Peaks The Return has one, but hmm. it's not on Letterboxd, so they couldn't add it. Oh, hold on, wait a second. 
It's a TV movie, technically. Ooh, yeah. interesting. Dune. Yes. Oh. Dune apparently has a movie. By David Lynch? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right, so the other two that you guys would know is Troll 2, apparently. Oh. Troll 2? Troll 2. I don't know. I've never seen the Troll. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, oh of course. Uh, that was, what, what? <laughs> and then that was in a head that was a pair of lips. Oh, uh, well, yeah. But I guess, okay. And then what? Superman the movie has one. Huh. The one with uh, Christopher Reeve. I, I okay. didn't know that, but... All right, so the other one, this one has the a The Haunted ton. Mansion starring Eddie Murphy. <laughs> one's got a ton on it. This one has a ton of movies. It's kind of like a, a just really cool one. Something I was thinking about after I read this list, but okay. it's called The Dinner Scene. So um, this is... Um, now, these aren't just any dinner scenes. A dinner table slash dinner, in theory, is a symbol of tranquility, family, home, or familiarity. Many of us have had... Uh, blah 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 blah. Well, the director takes this familiar practice and uses it as a vessel to either further the plot or build on tension and or atmosphere. Um, so the dinner scene is an intimate psychological device, and these films use them highly effectively. So there's a. It's. A I got one. Yeah. American Beauty. That is on here. Hey, uh, please. you're next. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It's on here. Nice. Wow. That's, yeah, that's um, I just um, like that that thought a lot. That um, the family stone, the entire plot is just a Harold and Maude. Harold and Maude. Put on there. Um, hey, you're cheating. Just looking at films that I've seen. I don't see Harold and Maude, and I don't mm. see the family stone. But yeah, the family stone is all about. That's the dinner. entire plot. <laughs> yeah. just a, a, fam a dinner scene. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um. Uh, Black Mass. Yep. That's on here. Sick. Um. I like the uh, the witches on here. Oh, yeah. Seen the That's a good yet. scene. Yeah. Uh, what about Goodfellas? Mm -hmm. I Probably not. I, just, not. I don't think that's... What about Pan's Labyrinth? Ooh. I don't think that's on here, but that's definitely... A good. I, I don't know if that was technically it. <laughs> Donnie Darko. There's one. Mm, if that's not on, on there. Here, but if that's not on there, I'm so mad. <laughs> what the heck? There's that really like awesome scene in Donnie Darko. Well, it has to like further the plot. Right. Like, but I guess it kind of does. Um, oh man, what are some other dinner scenes? Um, Get Out. Yep, that's on there. You're stomping me. Uh, is <laughs> I Saw the Devil on that list? Um, I think so. Sorry, there's a bunch of them. American History X is on here. It's what about, um... Uh, I don't see I Saw the What about It Comes at Night? No. But I, I would put that on this list. I guess probably wasn't recent, probably too recent for this one. Uh, Oh man. Moon dinner scenes. Seven? Oh, Goodfellas is on here. It is on there? Yeah, it was at the bottom, sorry. Is seven on there? Mm, is no. the Godfather on there? No. Well, some other ones, so we can wrap this up. Yeah, is uh, Beetlejuice. Uh, okay. There's oh, good one. Django Unchained. Yeah. Oh, that Django and Chains. Oh, one of the biggest <laughs> Leonardo scenes. DiCaprio. Yeah. Um, let's see, Step Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
La La Land? Well, yo, yeah, La La Land's got a dinner scene. Wait, which? Have you seen that? Yeah, but... You know when, like, he's, like, getting ready to, like, he surpri she surprises him. Oh, And they have yeah, that dinner, yeah, yeah. and then and he's, about like to, dinner he's about to leave on and tour again. And also, when she decides to leave her boyfriend, she's at dinner. Yeah. When she decides, both both yeah. of those, yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah. Dinner reprise? Huh? I said dinner reprise. <laughs> the dinner song and the dinner song um, reprise. Baby Driver's on here. Because hmm. that whole, when they're in the diner. Yeah, and the diner scene. they find out that he has a girlfriend. Um, Eraserhead is on here. Wait, I said Eraserhead. Oh, Eraser, Eraser. Oh, wait, no, that was on the last one. Yeah. Eraserhead does have a pretty awkward. I talked about that scene, scene in the last Letterboxd list. Oh, that was the same scene with the dog suffering at the mother's teeth and like the chicken oh. was like shaking and leaking blood. <laughs> and the girl's like. Yeah. The <laughs> There's also Whiplash, The Incredibles. Whiplash is good. Fire Walk with me from Twin Peaks on here. Alien, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Again. Alien. Again. Yeah. Uh, Alien. Signs, Matrix. Is the thing on there? No, but I would I would probably put that on here. Hmm. Atonement's on here, Wedding Crashers. Lots of movies with the dinner scene. Yeah. The Aviator. Aviator. Brothers. Before Midnight. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Boyhood. So, yeah. Nocturnal Animals. There's a lot of those that I looked at on my letterbox just now to see if I could find one, but. Yeah. The Little Miss Sunshine, that dinner scene where oh. they're telling her that she's fat because she wants ice cream with her waffle. Oh, yeah. Or no, that's over. fucking Red Kinnear. Yeah. Oh, it's like, yeah. That's an interesting that's list. Stuff. I like that. Yeah, it made me think a lot. I was like looking at my my movies at home and I was kind of look, like thinking about each one. Like, is there a dinner scene where something like big happens or mm -hmm. something is revealed or, yeah interesting thing to chew on all right so we're we have like six oh, minutes left until yeah. we're at the hour and a half mark um do we want to just share really quick things we're looking forward to seeing yeah um soon? coming out next weekend is uh the revamp of it oh yeah. man which i am not gonna lie most remakes i'm not excited for but i hope that this new movie redeems the old movie because i hated i hated the old movie <laughs> was not a fan of it at all but this new one looks fantastic whoever that guy is that's playing pennywise yeah, like some kid looks, some british kid some Brit he looks he looks it looks yeah they nailed the makeup on that yeah sure. it looks really good um i'm really excited to watch berserk the golden age arc two and arc three Ooh, <laughs> um yeah. Let's see, yeah. Uh, I don't know what's coming Blade, out. Blade Runner's coming out in a couple weeks. Oh, yes. I just watched Blade Runner two nights ago. I, I need to see that. Again. I need to see that classic. It is Blade fantastic. Runner. I was showing it to a person who has never seen it before. Also, so. movies on DVD that I haven't seen yet get out. I need really you know need to see. I need to watch that movie. It's on Redbox now, even. Um, I have no excuse. Uh, Does The Shape else? of Water come out soon? I don't know what that is. Also, this is the kid who plays it. His name is Bill Skarsgård, ah. if you want to go look him up. Swedish. I swear, anybody with the last name Skarsgård is just like, plays a really scary dude. Yeah, like, usually pretty creepy. Usually like, pretty creepy. Like, what's his face, Skarsgård? Yeah. I, I know you're talking I know you're talking about. He's usually a creep. Yeah. There, there's a couple of different Skarsgårds and they have different spellings, but they're all the same to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Um, so I'm gonna go see Tulip Fever soon. What is that? Tulip it's been Fever. trying to come out for a while and it's probably gonna be terrible, but has Dane DeHaan and uh, what's her face? So it's, um, hold on, let me let me get these names. Uh, Christopher Waltz in it and Alicia oh. Vikander. And mm. it's, you know that painting of the girl with the pearl earring? Yeah. It's basically that, but like, that woman was married to a like older dude. She was forced into marrying him, and mm. Dane Ton comes over to paint her, and they fall in love. And and uh, it's I just am a sucker for those kind of movies, and so I'm gonna go see it. But they made a movie about that. You know what it was called? Girl, the pearl. Yeah, or the pearl earring. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm actually really excited to see one that's in theaters right now. At least I think it's still in theaters. Uh, the Little Hours. Have you guys seen? I have, heard it's about not it. in theaters anymore. But it's not, uh, it was at the Flicks for a while, but was, they've yeah. moved on. I want to go see it real I bad. I really want to see that. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Wind River soon. Oh, I've heard. I haven't heard much about I've that. I've heard one. some good things. It's like kind of under the radar right now. Hmm. But it's Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth yeah. Olsen in it. Jeremy Renner is pretty great. And Elizabeth Olsen's pretty great. Yeah, she's, been, she's really, in Ingrid Goes West, which is at the flicks uh, that I want to go see. I really want to go see The Nut Job 2, Nutty by Nature. <laughs> Why are they making Nut Job 2? I mean, did uh, Nut Job 1 even break even with its budget? I'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you don't need to. So it's really, it's a passion anymore. project, The Nut Job 2. <laughs> when we had time wise, we're almost, we're almost at that uh, hour and a half. Yeah. Wow, a full um, hour now. Oh, something I'm gonna watch on Netflix tomorrow with, or yeah, tomorrow with friends is called Little Evil from okay. Adam Scott, and it's like a, uh, oh. it's a kind of hmm. not a horror. You know when they're making fun of horror movies? Yeah. You know like the the anti horror movie. Yep. It's is thing. it like starring Adam Scott or like? Yeah. You, okay. I saw it. It was suggested last night when I was trying to pick a movie to watch. It looks super Little funny. Evil. Didn't watch yeah. it. It's like the kid from, um, not Rosemary's Baby, but the other one where there's like the demonic kid. The Omen. The Omen, yes. It's like he's dating a girl and her her son is the kid from The Omen. <laughs> so it, it looks Pretty really much. funny. That was great. Yeah. That okay. sounds great. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> and um, you can subscribe to us. Uh, like and rate us on iTunes. Rate us, uh, uh, review us on iTunes. Uh, like us on Facebook. Like us on yeah. Facebook. Find us on SoundCloud. We'll be, we'll uh, do be we, more active soon. You said we had a Twitter, but yeah. I didn't find a Twitter. I'll probably make a Twitter. Yeah, you should make one. I'll I don't make think a Twitter. I made. Or so wait, I did. I don't have it. I don't we'll, have we'll, we'll I don't start. know. We don't know what Twitter is. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's been episode three. And until oh. next time. Bye. We don't have a catchphrase. Sunny up, pups. <laughs> I thought we put on the. Oh. oh, is that a thing? Uh, oh yeah. I, I like that it. catchphrase. We can keep it. I can use that. Study up, pups. Study up, pups. Study up, pups. All Dogs Go to Film School was recorded by Alicia Grafe, Dallin Kroon, and Shay Primrose. The audio was edited by Shay, and the music in this program was all done by Magic Hero. You can hear more of Magic Hero by going to magichero.music.bandcamp.com. Please uh, subscribe and rate us and review us on iTunes. You can also subscribe to us on SoundCloud. 
and Stitcher and uh, Audacity. I think they're doing podcasts now. Google Play. I don't know. Maybe not yet. But anywhere you get your podcasts, you can get us in your ears. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, study up, pups. Pups.